was in tech for um, a while already, uh, mostly in the B2B enterprise space, Cisco, DMR, uh, EMC, Dell. Um, you know, did a stint in telecom. I, I was head of innovation for a telecom company in Asia, specifically in the Philippines for a telecom called Smart, uh, 60 million subs. Uh, and then also was in the uh, big, big finance companies. I worked for a hedge fund called Fishwater and, uh, and Charles Schwab, which is sort of the largest uh, brokerage houses in the U.S. And then currently I'm actually uh, um, doing a, a fintech uh, in the intersection of AI emerging markets and uh, yeah, and finance. Right? So it uh, should be really cool. Yeah, it seems like you have uh, experience all across the board. Uh, I think the best question or the first question comes to mind here for me with the book idea and kind of like um, what uh, what uh, is your motivation for the book? Yeah, no, that's a good point, uh, uh, Dan. I think there's two things, right? So uh, when I... You know, I, I built, uh, you know, as part maybe of or built probably three or five different incubators um, kind of in my career. And I realized kind of very quickly is that, you know, you could quantify that things, right? You can quantify um, the market, right? You can quantify the technology. You can quantify, uh, you know, the product risk. But I think what distinguishes um, awesome entrepreneurs from you know from uh, you know from 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 others really I think within them and it's something that I call the mindset right like the mindset really is how they look at life how they think about opportunities how they think about challenges and what do they do in certain situations under pressure right and I think that's what distinguishes certain people from others uh, successful people from others. And another thing that I want to emphasize that mindsets, a startup mindsets, it's actually not just for startup founders, actually, but it could be people within companies, governments, or others that actually have this mindset in them that they want to apply to like solving a large issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the mindset perspective just falls in hand with uh, anybody with, across an organization that has uh, influence or you know they want to start their own thing it's definitely um you know it's 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 definitely something that's if you have an idea you have to uh make it what what can you do with that idea and i think this the mindset just propels everything to uh point b um yeah and i totally agree with where and i can see where you're coming from um so my second question here is what are sort of the top mindsets and adjustments uh, that you've made personally versus the old mindset that you had, um, you know, with the knowledge that you currently have um, and how did you learn the most out of that experience? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, you know, I think most of us, at least in, in life um, is geared towards what I call is going to do the right thing and not rocking the boat. Right. So most of us are trained in school to say, hey, how do you make sure you don't stand out? How do you make sure, you know, this is your limit and, you know, this is like your job. Right. So actually, that's it's a funny thing. Right. So people ask, like when you meet someone, you ask, like, you know, what do you do? 
And most people say, I'm a manager at a bank, right? Or I'm <laughs> a manager. And I was like, okay, like that's interesting, um, you know, response, right? But very quickly, um, you know, why don't people talk about like, what, what are they passionate about? Like, what is their big kind of why, right? Like, I, so I think for me, um, I was really, you know, I was, I was, you know, since I grew up in Asia, like I thought before, like, yeah, you know what, like my role in life is to be an engineer, right? Like that is it. And then more and more when I got into like, you know, the entrepreneurship track or the venture track, I realized like being a, um, I say a normal person, but then really being like, um, uh, uh, you know, a person that maybe boxes yourself limits but are your potential impact in your lifetime right so uh, i forgot when this aha moment happened for me but i had this aha moment of like you know what you know what 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 will i do um you know will i just leave this earth like a speck of dust right like for sure um and i was like mm, i'm not sure so i said like you know if i had to like live my life um you know, and I only had a hundred years to live. What would I do? Right. And I think if you think that way that you're not, you know, you only have a hundred years to make a dent in this universe, your mind shift really gets messed up, man. really messed up. So hmm. I think that's the thing. And actually I know the exact time. So my wife, my wife and I like was in, I think the Grand Canyon, right. And the park. I was at the Grand yeah, dude, Green the Canyon the too. park yeah, ranger, like, yeah, yeah, the park ranger was like, yeah, the Grand uh -huh. Canyon's been here for like five thousand years, right? So it's really like, obviously they're like, like, it's amazing, it's been here for a long time, and I realized, which is really a sad thought, more pretty marvelous mm -hmm. thought, but actually it was a big wake up call for me. It's like, yeah, actually, like, I, I I won't be in existence anymore, and the Grand Canyon will still be here, right? So what am I doing? <laughs> What am I doing with my yeah. life, right? Like you yeah, have literally, yeah, right, right. you have literally like a time-bound, uh, you know, a time frame for you to make some sort of impact. And I thought that was that was really kind of what messed my mind, right? So, um, yeah. So I thought that was that's kind of what what at least I think, you know, I have a mindset that I think someone who has that like entrepreneurial startup mindset has um, versus maybe mm -hmm. someone else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was at the Grand Canyon uh, like two months ago and just made me think about, you know, getting away from the city, especially, you know, coming in from San Francisco, spending all my time here and seeing something else. Just, you know, it's good to think about other things that are not necessarily work related or goal related just to get out of there. And I think, you know, it opens up a lot of room for thought with uh, what your goals are and just seeing um, what matters and, you know, for entrepreneurs, what matters is uh, their company, their idea, whether it's the money that motivates them or whether it's uh, changing lives or making the world better. There's so many different mindsets for that, but um, totally in, in the same boat with you there. Uh, maybe um, going off of that topic, what is sort of the most impactful experience uh, like in your life from childhood school or business school? that made you kind of come to this realization um, in the mindset? Yeah, actually, um, so, you know, a lot of my friends know this story just because they knew that this is how kind of my life kind of changed, right? Where 
I think I was like 11 or 12 and my mom brought me to um, the Johnson Space Center in Houston. Huh. Right? And um, that's kind of where the Saturn V rocket is parked, right? And the Saturn V rocket, as most people probably know, it's, it's the rocket that brought Neil Armstrong, uh, Buzz Aldrin uh, to the moon, right? And um, yeah, and I, and, and I kind of, you know, thought at the time, like I asked the tour guide, like, how do you, you know, work here at NASA and how do you do this? It's like, yeah, you know, people have to be engineers. <laughs> and I was like, interesting, right? Um, but I also got exposed to number one, obviously, like the power of technology. Number two, like, like achieving kind of impossible things, right? If through engineering or through technology. So I think that's kind of a pivotal moment. Um, kind of in my life. And then maybe another pivotal moment is um, when I went to Stanford uh, for business school, I was like a kind of a pure engineer. And then I realized kind of very quickly, um, two things, right? Like one is I can't be the master of everything. I thought I was like a really good engineer. And then I realized that I had classmates who were building buildings at age 21 in Mexico or people who trading the stocks at like age 11, right? So <laughs> humility that comes with it, I think is there. So in order for you to, you know, do something significant, you can't say that I'm going to do it everything myself. And then the other one as well is, um, you know, that just that notion of like, so the motto of Stanford is like change lives, change organizations and change the world. So and then it's like your motto is that, you know, you have a unique opportunity to change the world and, you have you can do it uh-huh. and i i never thought about that way that i could do something that really would impact the world but then when i went there like i think my mind just got blown that there are people before me that stepped into these specific schools like places like in silicon valley and they changed the world so like why can't you do it too in your own way, in your own way. So I thought, oh, wow, that's very interesting. And I'm sure people, uh, you know, as, as they walk in steps here in Silicon Valley, like they'll also have the same, um, you know, the same feeling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there's, there's definitely been thoughts um, from, from my own uh, experience about being a generalist versus specialist and, you know, trying to do so much, but you know, like focusing on what's most important and prioritizing is kind of like how, how I've reached success in some points and, you know, very relatable there. Um, so this next set of questions kind of point light toward um, creating a company. And what I want to ask you was, uh, why did you start the current startup that's your, uh, your new venture? Um, and, and it's a two-part question. So if you left a stable job, you know, say at a strong company, um, what was the deciding reason behind that? And how did you uh, just go about that whole situation? Yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, so there's uh, two parts there. It's like, you know, what am I, you know, what am I doing in the entrepreneurial sense? And the other one is how do I make a calculation of like leaving a stable income or at least stable job, right? I think these are two kind of interrelated questions and um first one really is you know i mean what i'm doing now is is really trying to address um financial services in emerging markets uh, i think 
financial the, the financial services world and, and kind of maybe outside of the Europe and others like I think really favors the rich and underserves the poor. It's just the reality, right? So sure. um, when I was um, an executive in the Philippines and I, I was like the youngest executive in the entire country, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't have dollars, right? Like I, well, I have laid in with student loan um, and, you know, I think most of my money was in the U.S. So I came into the branch, um, the bank, and they're like, how much... It. And I was like, oh, I, I, I just literally arrived here two weeks ago uh, as an expat. And I'd love to account in like the kind of the, you know, high tier account so I can trade stocks. And they said like, oh, no, you know, if you can you know, put in right now, like more than I think $100,000, like you're going to go to like the ground floor. And I was huh. like, what's going on here? Like, you know, I mean, literally like in my business card, like this is who I am and then here's like my pay stub that I'm going to earn in the future. But like, ah, no, you know, un until you give us this money, like we don't care about you. So literally like the stock options of so someone maybe in the lower tier group gets like really bad stock options in the higher tier group, you get like the trade U S equities and all these. So I'm like, why is this uh -huh. financial discrimination? Right? So I thought like, how can I change that world? So, um, yeah, so what I'm building now is actually uh, with a buddy of mine, like really uh, alternative credit score for emerging markets as a financial services, right? So trust is earned, not just on like how much money you have, but maybe some good behaviors that you have, right? So that's, that's a theory, right? Um, uh -huh. Yeah, and then, you know, I, before this, I was in a bunch of large name companies, right? So Charles Schwab is, uh, you know, one of the largest investor brokerage houses uh, kind of in the US. I was in a hedge fund. I was in you know, Dell um, when they bought EMC. So um, a lot of large names. So it's really tough actually yeah. to, to leave that. But you know, I have this philosophy of like, you know, you just have to be motivated by like a large vision that is like personal to you. So, uh, you know, when I built my incubator called DS Space, we had this motto, like, you know, have like, you know, the, the vision is, is big and the mission is deep, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really it, right? So I, I, I was just, like, really bothered on, like, the financial services world, um, you know, uh, to be honest, everywhere, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought, like, you know, if I can spend you know, a few, you know, years of my life, if not more, um, to really solve this problem, I think, you know, it'll make the world a better place before I die, right? So that's really what motivated me. For sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Cool. Is uh, your startup like still in stealth mode or have you guys? Yeah, it's somewhat in stealth. I mean, we got like a small angel investment uh, from uh, some angels uh, based out of Asia. Uh, we're basically doing a free seed round now and then... Uh, Hopefully later in the year, um, after all these uh, kind of improves some traction, um, you know, hopefully we'll close the seed round. I know there's a lot of economic turmoil now, but I think maybe by Q4, um, hopefully things will stabilize. Cool. One, one thing I want to ask was, uh, what's it like um, sort of like being a startup in, you know, that has a Silicon Valley presence, but has a, the market in, you know, the Philippines or Asia? What, 
uh, how, how, um, how do you go, go about um, running things when I guess you're not on the ground over there or kind of like uh, just what's, what's your take on that? Um, I think, you know, I think Silicon Valley um, gives you a certain resources, right? That maybe others don't. I mean, I think expertise, networks, um, funding structures, um, you know, maybe some talent, right? Best practices. I think these are things that we mm -hmm. Silicon Valley for. Um, it doesn't mean that they're close to the market, but I think, um, you know, I think business is all about relationships um, at the end of the day, right? So I think relationship with the customer, relationship with your partners, relationship with your investors, I think at the end of the day, you just have to like be in market um, mm -hmm. physically and virtually almost on a daily basis, right? So as long as people know that you're serious about Let's say for me, my first market is the Philippines. Serious for me to change the Philippines. I think that's what people really positively react to. If they think that you're just going to come into a market and pillage it, I think people have an adverse reaction. Very, very cool. Do you, would you say like you have sort of an advantage of being, you know, immersed in the Philippine ecosystem and kind of just knowing the market? Um, yeah, for sure. Answer? For sure, right? Just because there's cultural nuances that right. we can pick up on. Um, you know, and at the same time I worked there for four years. So a lot of the people that I used to work with or maybe used to work in the same company as me are now in other companies that I can now call on for help. So I think to be honest, yeah, I mean again, this is all about relationships and you know, credibility and trust. And I think if you, you know, go into these markets, I think as long as you establish that it's really, really important. So for me, yeah, I mean, it's a huge advantage that, you know, I grew up there, mm -hmm. went to school there, went to college there and worked there for a little bit. And I think those are things that uh, is there. But I think what's more important is consistency, right? Because I could have uh -huh. worked in the Philippines for four years and literally not cared about the country. Sure. Um, but uh, I was lucky that I was able to you know, have a platform to show why I care about Southeast Asia in general and emerging markets in general. So I think that's more important and people are surprised because I'm consistent, right? I moved to the US and I still want to do this. So it's not like I'm BSing people. But I'm yeah. BS and say, that's my mission. My mission is to save the world, right? But I'm like, yeah, but you know, are, are you consistent, right? 10 years from now, you're going to say the same thing. And most people will not say yes. Yeah, and I definitely think the Philippines need some uh, sort of a boost from startups and you know, the economy. Definitely interested in learning more about how they do business over there and kind of like what sort of new innovation is yet to be um, broken down over there. But great, great stuff, Earl. Um, I have a few more questions here. Um, uh, this one kind of relates to being in a larger enterprise and transitioning that enterprise into uh, more competitive and stable along with the innovation of uh, technology. Um, so. So my question to you would be, how has the digital economy encouraged innovation within an organization that you've previously been at? And sort of what strategies have worked best um, over, say, three to five year period? <clears throat> yeah, no, no worries. Um, how has the digital economy encouraged innovation within your organization? And what strategies have worked best over the past uh, three to five years? Yeah, I think... Um you know, to be honest, digital is just a medium, right? 
I think the critical aspect really is that the customer expectations are changing in the space of digital innovation, right? Hmm. So a lot of people get it wrong, right? Like, especially like I'm a tech guy, I understand, you know, people, the tech solutions and all that stuff. But in the end of the day, like why do both large companies and small companies exist? It's to service the customer. And to be honest, the customer is the one that actually will dictate where you know, their, their taste, their behavior, their changes are going. And unfortunately, or fortunately, everyone's going to digital and their digital lives affect their everyday lives. So I think the expectation of the customer is just like extremely high now because of other types of digital companies that make their life better, right? You know, the Amazon simplicity, right? The Google, you know, speed, right? And innovation, right? The Facebook accessibility, right? These are like stable stakes now that then push companies to innovate. So I think for me, like, I think, again, that's why having that startup mindset of wanting to change the world for the better and pushing the limits of technology, I think it's just like, to be honest, a table stakes for every corporate executive or someone who wants to be a corporate person um, in the future, right? Uh It's like, yeah, I mean, you have to operate in that mindset, that speed, that ethos, right? Because I think gone are the days of companies that are like large and monolithic and like I can hide behind the fake mission statement, let's say. Okay. Um, but now I think, yeah, I mean, goes very quickly. If you say like, I'm here to like save and end poverty and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, you know, literally lay off like, you know, 50% of employees just because, and give executives fat right? It's inconsistent. So digital just exposes these things. For sure, yeah. Digital innovation um, has been a trend over the past five, five years or even the decade, past decade or so. Um, when, when you say uh, you, want, you know, want to change the world and going back into being a, being a founder or future founders out there who may be listening, what do you say, uh, you know, that they can do to kind of mentally prepare themselves for, for this task? Um, or? Yeah. And I think this, that's why, uh, I think this book, um, the ethos really is to collect some of these best practices of like mindsets of, you know, that startup founders have or people who have a startup mindset. And that's because it's, it's difficult and it's hard and, a lot of times you doubt yourself of like, is this the right path? But in the end of the day, I think as long as you're anchored, again, my own personal you know, belief or mindset is if you're anchored at the end of like, what type of end I want to achieve and what type of mission am I actually solving for? Huh. You actually have a huge advantage over anyone else doing it not with the same reason as you do. So use that as fuel in order to push your own agenda and push the world forward. I think that's my, my thought process um, because it's really going to be difficult. And I think hopefully like, you know, by exposing these thoughts and stories, people will, you know, you won't think that you're crazy and then people actually will also change for the better. For sure. Um, And I think my next question kind of feeds into uh, so you have the idea, but now you need to find the next, the, the best person to work on this with. Um, 
Do you have any tips for finding the best co-founder or co-founding team slash business partner? Uh, and, you know, along, going along with that, how do you hold each other accountable? And when it's really early, there's a lot of risks. So how do you maneuver that whole? Yeah, I mean, co-founder, you know, dating, if you want to call it, is the same as any other. You might make a mistake. You might, you know, might might not. But I think if you, I think the first conversation you should have is, and you wish to achieve, um, you know, if this is successful, uh, and mm-hmm. and if it's not successful, is it still okay, right? And also, a person you can have like extremely honest conversations with, I think, is super important, right? So sure. this is one of the things that I think this makes a good founder and. A lot of people say, oh, you have to have like a different skill set, a technology skill set and stuff. Yeah, maybe, right? I think maybe that's table stakes just because as, as VCs, you want to de-risk the team, right? Like if you have a bunch of like all business people, right? right. Like a code, right? If you have all coders, um, who's going to then, you know, build out the business case and, and the strategy, right? So you have to have a balanced team from a skill set perspective, but I think I'd rather have a team that's super mission aligned that would work towards achieving that than even like skill set balance, right? That's kind of my philosophy. Um, just because mm-hmm. again, you can you can get people if people know that you're genuine and you want to build this, like you're attract people, right? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and then you keep on talking about it, and you know. So I think that's that's for me like what what I think needs to be done, right? So. Um, yeah, so I think gotcha. how you get a co-founder, right? Like you have to have these really frank, tough conversations of like where you want to take, you know, what mission you, you both want to solve and why are the two of you aligned with that mission? Going back into... I, I'm a true believer in meritocracy, right? So um, I don't want to say you have both advantages and handicaps. Uh-huh. I think for me, right, I think... Uh, at least for me, I can talk about just my own general, specific, micro, personal background, right? That, you know, my, my parents valued education. My parents valued, you know, working hard. My parents valued making sure that, like, you know, you are doing things for the right reasons, right? And making sure that you, you know... um you know, save, you know, have, have like both financial stability, but also impact in the world. And I think those are like things that help me. And right. Me, right. And uh, for example, like my grandfather was, you know, um, you know, not a very wealthy person, a very humble beginning, uh, went to public school of college uh, in the Philippines and then ended up becoming a, a multimillionaire entrepreneur and became like the minister of uh, public works of the Philippines, right? So mm-hmm. imagine that. I think he was even like a janitor or an assistant in college as a part-time job. Um, and for me, that's just the stuff that inspires me within my blood, right? Of like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I mean, you can be nobody and, you know, you can be somebody and when you become somebody, you use it for public service, Right. And I think that DNA is within me. Um, a lot of people like, oh, you know what? If I become somebody and make a lot of money, then that's it. I'm going to buy a huge mansion. True. Uh, true. <laughs> I got like, uh, yeah, but I got like a DNA inside of my blood that says, hey, you know what? Yeah, you can be really wealthy, but then spend 
you know, a portion of your life, if not majority of your life, to actually help people. And I think that is the big thing for me. And maybe that's the advantage I have over, over other people that don't have that advantage. For sure, yeah. I think Elon, Elon Musk kind of comes to everyone's mind when they think of somebody who is willing to t- take all the risks and try to change the world for yeah the better yeah. and Tesla. And uh-huh. And he's consistent, man, right? Like, I mean, I met Elon Musk once in my life when he literally just started SpaceX. Tesla was not in existence yet. PayPal, I think he sold like a few years back. For X.com, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I met him and literally his speech at the time was consistent to what he's doing now, right? And uh-huh. yeah, so I think the beauty about, I think, these entrepreneurs that have, again, this deep startup mindset is you're... You know, like, again, your mission is deep, man. Like, you want to solve something before you die. Right? Good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Elon Musk is a huge embodiment. Bill Gates is a huge embodiment of that. Steve Jobs and... Yeah, I mean, all of them, all of them, right? And you're like, oh, uh-huh. distinguishes them from others. Like, you know, Steve Jobs says, or the Apple commercial, like, it's the crazy ones. And I'm like, it's not crazy. It's just that they're motivated by something bigger than them. For For sure. Uh, you know, with, with, along with, uh, this book, would, would you say that, you know, a thesis for everyone kind of going about startup mindsets is that, um, the company or the mission has to be the number one priority and, uh, it's kind of like a, we're trying to solve the cure for cancer type of type of no no i don't yeah. think it no i don't think necessarily this thing. i think it's it's that's why it's personal it depends on you uh-huh right i mean i for example like i think in my mind like linkedin mission i think is to you know help people connect in the you know in, in the professional world right i mean is that the cure for cancer no but then maybe the founders of linkedin says how do we then you know help mm-hmm out people right in that certain economy right so i think i think that's it right each one is it's personal you have to like think about like what makes you tick what makes you yeah i think these are the things i think makes you have to like at least reflect on uh-huh. um, yeah i think that's what i would do but i think it's beyond that right like i mean it's what is what is great for you right True. this what is um you know, like how do you approach problems, right? Like these are things that like I would love to know from people as well, right? Because, you know, how I view my own mindset um, might be different from other people's mindsets. True. And uh kind of wanted to end on a sort of positive note. Um, just uh, going on the fact that like we've talked a lot about the challenges in entrepreneurship. Um, what are some, now my question would be, what are some of the best parts of being a founder and in an early stage startup, I've been part of a few um, kind of like what uh, do people not see that makes you smile about being an entrepreneur or um, the, the overall process from, from scratch? Yeah. I think the best thing is that it's up to you, right? Everything is up to you and it's a black canvas and it's a canvas that you actually paint yourself. Right. And um you know, I think there's a certain level of satisfaction of actually building something based out of like your own mind and your own heart, right? Uh, versus others, right? And that's something that 
you know, sometimes in corporations, it's difficult, right? Like even if you say, like, you know, I really want to do this project, it doesn't mean your boss not your boss, maybe your boss or your boss would agree or some finance person or HR person would agree, right? And all of a sudden, a little bit of your like heart gets crushed a little bit because you're like, oh, I really was passionate about this, but nobody seems to care, right? And large corporations are, it's there, right? Because they want to optimize to make their own large mission come true, not necessarily your own personal mission. So mm-hmm. I think that's the awesome part of like being a co-founder um, is that, your own mission is being achieved and you know and and you everything that happens in this company is really up to you right wow yeah it's pretty awesome um, but it's pretty scary but uh, you know at the end of the day um, you know that's what they say right like you'll never win the loto until you actually put in a bet <laughs> right so for sure <laughs> um, not necessarily just financial but actually even emotional right or, or whatnot so I think that's the thing and at least give it a go, right? Is maybe my thought here is I, I think just a lot of learning in a short amount of time. And I think regardless, maybe two, three years from now, but this doesn't work, I'll go back again to corporate, but I wouldn't regret it. Right? So pretty awesome. I am with you on that. Um, I think that's all the questions I had for you today. Uh, is there any sort of last remarks that you wanted to share? Or? No, I think it's, uh, you know, I think for, or really like, you know, uh-huh. um, startups or, or founders, I think in the end of the day, right? Like, I think you just have to reflect uh, on, on yourself. Like what is those key things that are the most valuable to you and, you know, uh, and how do you live your life, um, particularly to these key things, right? So I for think, sure. just, yeah, just, you know, go for it. And, you know, the world needs smart people that actually build stuff that is impactful, right? So, um, Hopefully people do that. Cool. I think, you know, that's end of uh, our time here, but thanks for the time, Earl. Awesome. No, great. Thank you so much, Dan, and uh, good luck to us in writing this book. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you, man.